the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D podcast. Hello there. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio, and we are on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. You should check out all of the varying and entertaining and funny and informative, uh, so many great podcasts that are also on this great network. Radiomisfits.com. Check out the podcast, rate, review us, take the time to give us feedback here at uh, the Radio Misfits. Uh, I also have a second podcast on uh, Radio Misfits as well, and that is all about Saturday Night Live, and it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's a deep dive into Saturday Night Live, and uh, I, I love doing it, and sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't, but every week, every Wednesday, a brand new episode all about the great, legendary sketch comedy show SNL drops, and you should check that out as well. Uh, you can be a part of this podcast. We want to, you to uh, leave us messages. You know, our voicemail system is open 24-7, anytime, anywhere, any place that you want to leave a message, a voicemail message. It's open. It's ready. We want to hear from you. We listen to every message. We play back uh, many of them on the podcast. So any kind of voicemail message that you want to send 24-7, do it. 773-417-6948. We want your feedback and we want your uh, your thoughts. We want your voicemails. We also want your emails too. Nickdpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com or a voicemail message, 773-417-6948. If you also want to leave a special message that you want to hear sifted through the magic megaphone. That's right. We do this all the time now. Uh, we will not be doing it today because today is a, is a For the People episode, which means no Esmeralda segment. Uh, and that's when we do our magic megaphone. But if you have any kind of message, uh, a joke, uh, uh, some sort of uh, a message to a friend or a line from a movie or a line from a song, anything that you want me to say into the magic megaphone so it goes out into the ether and everybody gets to hear it, you tell me what to say and I'll say it via email or voicemail. Also, hey, listen. You want to be a part of the podcast as a sponsor? Would you like to advertise with us? Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, I want to advertise here. You know, we, uh, this podcast is very popular. I don't understand it, but it's very, very popular. And so it reaches a lot of people. So if you want to su- sponsor us or you want to be uh, an advertiser on this podcast, sales at RadioMisfits.com. As I mentioned, it is a For the People episode. For the People means that we have our two consumer uh, help, help guys, helpful guys here, who I've known for many years, were a regular part of my radio show in the years, and they've been a regular part of this show. The first Tuesday of each month is For the People. That means Herb Weissbaum will join us. He is the consumer man. He writes uh, for Checkbook.org, and he uh, helps you with your money, uh, keeping it safe, keeping you away from scams, letting you know what's the best way to keep your money safe and be a good consumer. So Herb Weissbaum will be with us. Our second guest on the For the People episodes is Tom Appel, my good buddy. 
uh, who has a great podcast, by the way, uh, called Car Stuff. We'll talk a little bit about that. He also is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. This is the guy who knows more about cars than any human on the planet. He will answer any and all car-related questions. He will talk about a lot of the car stuff that they cover at Consumer Guide Automotive. He also loves to watch old TV and spot old stars, and we have a lot of fun talking about that. Cars, cars, cars from Consumer Guide Automotive, Tom Appel. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke, even though uh, Esmeralda's off. That doesn't mean my dad is. So he will join us and close out the show, as he does every Tuesday, by telling us a joke. By the way, my dad killed it uh, last Tuesday at uh, Zany's in uh, Rosemont when Rich Coe slash Sven was our was our special guest. My dad got up, and my dad and Rich Coe's traded jokes. It was fantastic. It was legendary. It was awesome. So, And by the way, uh, don't miss our next live uh, event at Zany's in Rosemont. We're not doing one in April. Uh, scheduling problems uh, meant that we wouldn't be able to do one, So, but we're going to do one May 16th. By the way, and Esmeralda will be out of town again, so the lovely Amy Guth will be sitting in. She will be my guest co-host. The great Amy Guth will be sitting in. And our special guest is Jim Flanagan, an amazingly funny stand-up comedian. So we will be back live at Zany's in Rosemont on Tuesday, May 16th. Go to rosemont.zanies.com to get your tickets now. And that's the upcoming stuff. So, Herb Weissbaum, Tom Appel, it is a For the People consumer episode for you guys. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and the weirdness. And you do everything else. So thanks for being a part of it. And you know who else loves this show? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. She loves For the People, because she is one of the people. And we will get to Herb Weisbaum, our consumer guy, after I tell you that you need to be congratulated immediately. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes, Herb is our man. That's correct. It's always a very great, great, great introduction to Herb Weissbaum. Herb Weissbaum is our Consumer Man. He is the Consumer Man. And you can uh, read all his stuff and, and get connected with him at checkbook.org and just uh, consumerman.com. Uh, uh, and he is Herb Weissbaum. Joins us once a month on these uh, first Tuesdays of the month for For the People. Uh, and here is Herb. Hi, Herb. Hey, happy April, Nick. Yes, uh, happy, happy April. Um, yeah, I understand that you are... Uh, Heading off to go on a vacation. You're going to New York City. Is that what I'm to understand? Yes. I'm, well, I'm going back to Washington, D.C. to meet with all the folks at Checkbook.org. Some of them I only have known via phone or via Zoom. So I'm actually going to go back and say hello. And then we're going to be at a wedding uh, in New York for my nephew, the first one of that generation. So haven't been back to New York for, geez, the longest time since I was uh, on the Today Show. So we're going to go back and uh, check out the city and get some really good corned beef and pastrami. So you'll be in Man- you'll be in Manhattan proper. You'll be. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to stay at the Essex House Hotel where the guests of Oprah stay. Uh, yeah, and 
Great location. And then we're going to go to Katz's Deli for some corned beef and pastrami. You Katz is the best. It's the best deli in the city. It's the best deli in Manhattan. For folks who don't know, that's where the scene from uh, when Harry met Sally, where uh, the mother says, I'll have what she's having. That was shot right there in Katz's Deli. Yes, it was. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's it is the best. It's the best. When I went there, uh, I've been to New York a a lot. I've been there a a ton of times. And uh, been to um, there are a lot of amazing delis in in Manhattan and in the other boroughs. There are amazing delis. That's what you know New York is known for. Uh, but Katz's is the best. They have the best corned beef. They have the best. I mean, everything at that place is unbelievable. Um, I have and, bad news for you, but most of the delis have closed now. Carnegie's closed. The Stage yep. is closed. The New York yep. Deli is closed. Wolf's is closed. So, and this is one for people to know. They actually hand slice the meat right in front of you. Yep. It's absolutely and and the true New Yorker Nick stands there with a dollar bill in their hand and he goes, "I'll have that piece." No, too much fat. That piece. Yep. <laughs> you stand in line and it's it's cafeteria style. You get a ticket when you walk in. Yep. It is uh, it is as old school a deli as you are likely to get. The closest thing we have here in Chicago. The next time you come back to Chicago, Herb. Okay. Uh, I need to take you to Manny's. Oh, okay. I've heard about that. It's, okay. Uh, as close to cats as you will ever get, and it is without question the best deli in this city. Oh. Um, near the South Side, uh, it man. You look it up. You look it up. Manny's Deli in Chicago. It ranks among the best delis in the country, and oh, we are lucky yeah. to have it. It is an amazing. Oh, I have this on tape. If I come back to Chicago, you will take me to. Manny's. I will take you to Manny. I will happily take you to Manny's, right. and it's oh. cafeteria and it's cafeteria style. Oh. They cut it right in front of you. It is. Oh. And the matzo ball soup is amazing. Everything. I'm telling you. It's amazing. Katz okay. has been there, I think, 125 years, has never advertised. And for folks who go in, as you know, Nick, it, uh, they have the old signs from World War One. Boy yeah. on the army, send them a salami. And they got the old dough boy. Yeah. Put and they also have pictures of celebrities all over the walls who have gone yeah. in there and, yes. and have ordered food. And, of course, like every single cast member who's ever worked on Law & Order alone fills up half the wall. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite is that the, that they actually um, have. Sometimes they will put up, you know, they have autographs of the of the celebrities who have been in there, mm-hmm. and sometimes they will put up what they ate, you know, like what oh, they ordered. And right. my favorite is the the most hilarious one in there. Uh, and I'm, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a while since I've been since I've been back to New York. Um, uh, so I've been back to Katz's in a while. But there, my favorite was Bill Clinton because they had a, <laughs> they had a, picture, they had a picture of Bill Clinton. And uh, he'd been there several times, but they had one of his visits. And one of his visits, this is literally what he had. And, and, and you know, Herb, the size of the sandwiches oh, in that place. It's half a cow on two pieces of bread. You walk out with like a pound of stuff that you're not going to eat till later. You know what I mean? Like you, you literally, the sandwich yeah. is piled to the ceiling. Yes. So he walked in, and according to one of his visits, I believe this was on the campaign trail in 92. So I think he was like, it was his, it was his first, you know, his first campaign for president. Um, so he went in, and it said that he ordered, he had a pastrami sandwich, not a half. He had a, a pastrami sandwich, corned beef sandwich. He had two bowls of matzo ball soup. Um, and I can't remember what else, several pickles. And then, and the, and the best part was, and a Diet Coke. Like, that's going to matter. Like, that, <laughs> like, the, like the Diet Coke is going to offset this, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll, I'll have like a slice of cheesecake and a Diet Coke, please. Right, you know? right. Oh, no, no, right. And he did have cheesecake. He did have cheesecake, too. That was on the list, too. But like the killer was at the bottom was that he did also have a Diet Coke. Oh, oh all right. Well, then everything else is okay. Well, that's this episode of Hello, Deli. Brought yeah. to you by... <laughs> 
No, but the thing was that it was I, – I, I went out there. I've been to New York a million times, but I spent almost a month there in the summer of 1999 because one of the, a play that I co-wrote and directed played the Fringe Festival in New York. Oh, okay. And so we were out there. My cast, myself as writer-director and stuff like that, we were out there, and we were there for almost a month. And our hotel – was literally six blocks away from Katz's, and I ate there every day. <laughs> it was it's wow. very dangerous, man, because wow. I was there. I was like, well, I'll just go to Katz again. So You must the be the movie that. that they wrote The Whale about if you ate at Katz's every yeah, day. Yeah, that's exactly right. I ate there. I, I'm serious. It was ridiculous. But, I mean, it's the, I mean it is the best. It's the yeah. best deli yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, so, But anyway, well, have fun while you're in New York, and uh, don't worry you. about the calorie counting. It goes out the... Absolutely. Out the window. Yeah. Yeah. It goes out the window. All right. Well, uh, so tell everybody about, uh, you know, you are the consumer man. You are semi-retired, but you're still with us every month and you still keep doing, you know, uh, work for everybody to help them out. Uh, sure. Checkbook.org and so on and so forth. Give us all the details on where we can find your stuff and get your help. Sure. I'm a contributing editor at checkbook.org, which is a unique nonprofit. Uh, we rate services in various cities in the country, seven of them, and uh, Chicagoland is one of them. Also, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Minneapolis, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. I think I got all seven. I used, should use my fingers. And uh, we're like the consumer paint yep. and roofing yep. materials, the roofers and the veterinarian. Yeah. And um, I do a podcast for them every other week called Consumerpedia, plus my articles. And uh, it is the highlight of every month to be here with you and talk about everything but consumer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talk about Katz's yeah, Deli for 45 we minutes. Yeah. Delis, yeah, we get, no I problem with that. Yeah. And, there, and, and actually, you know, I mean, we could go on forever, but Katz's has actually been featured in more than one movie. It's in a ton of movies. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's in a ton of movies, but obviously the most memorable is I'll have what she's having. That's the most memorable. Exactly. And before we start, I want to do this because we always do it just for your listeners, Nick. If you want to get, to get a 30-day free trial subscription to checkbook.org, if you live in one of those seven cities, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, and you can get a three a thirty day free trial subscription for the ratings in your area. No strings attached. We'd love for you to join and be a member or help us out. We're a nonprofit, but no strings attached. And if you don't live in one of those areas, all the information except for the ratings on Checkbook is absolutely free. So that's how we work. Always good. Always good. Always looking out for the people. So uh, for my subscribers and my listeners, Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast free trial. Free trial. Make sure you take advantage of that and do it right now. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. And always check out consumerman.com. Uh, That's your website, correct? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Well, let's get started sure. uh, with the things that we always want to talk about every month, uh, helping people out. Now, here's a term that I haven't heard in a long time and a term that might not be familiar to a lot of our listeners, and that is check washing. Mm-hmm. Uh, check washing is making a comeback, and it's weird to hear the word check being used at all anymore. But here, before we jump into the check washing thing, um, how how many people do you still use checks? Absolutely. Her? Do you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, sometimes not for not for a lot of things, but there's certain things that I do pay with a check. Um, some things big like a property taxes because uh, I don't want to pay the three uh, percent if you put it on a credit card or something like that. And I don't yeah. like everybody and their brother automatically dipping into my uh, checking account. Uh, so I, I don't I don't do a lot of automatic deductions from the checking account because I just don't like other people having access. I understand. To my because you know why? Turning it off is not easy. Um, it's, you know, you start these things and, uh, it's not easy to, I, I'll just digress for a second. Yeah. We did all of our, uh, all of our, um, 
charity donations last year via automatic uh, billing to our credit card. And we decided this year for 2023 for tax reasons, it's a long story, but we're actually going to write them checks, which is a checking account based on our IRA. We're old enough now that we can take money out of the IRA, give it directly to charity and not pay tax on the money that comes out. So that's a smarter move for tax purposes to do it that way. Well, to try to turn these things off, Nick, you call them, you write them, you tell them. And it's, well, we've always billed you every month. I know, I don't want to do that anymore. And that's a lot of people have problems with gymnasiums. When they quit a gym and they let them do automatic withdrawal from their checking account, they keep getting bills after the fact. Be very, very careful about giving somebody access to automatically making withdrawals from your checking account. That's a a tip from somebody who's been there. And I got to tell you, and you know what's coming up all the time now? And I think we talked about this. We talked about this briefly a few times already is that now that everybody subscribes to streaming services and subscribes Mm -hmm. to all of these things, they forget about it. You know what I mean? It's all these apps and all these streaming services and all these things that are automatically, you know, it's a little thing here or there, maybe eight, eight bucks a month or nine bucks a month, but that adds up. And some people are subscribing to stuff. We talked about this, uh, that they forget about. Yep. Um, and you know, and we were talking about how some people and some phones and not my service does this, where you can get a reminder saying, Hey, you haven't used this app in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you should, you know, delete it, uh, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So it's helpful to have those reminders, but that's another thing where people can completely forget about all the stuff they subscribe to. Or they sign up for a 30 day free trial. Don't uh, cancel within the 30 days. And then all of a sudden you started paying, but you know, and with people automatically bill paying, that's the one downside with automatic bill pay. Unless you look at the bill, you could be charged for something you never ordered or whatever. So if you're going to have your bills automatically paid through the bank, like your credit card bills, make sure you at least look at the statement and see that everything's legit there. You can find, I spot problems all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, got to keep your eyes peeled. But anyway, yeah. uh, to get back to but but it's weird because like I actually was mocked not too long ago by a friend because I said, yeah, I wrote my rent check. And they were like, what do you mean you wrote your rent check? And I said, well, I pay my I pay yeah. my rent with a yeah. check. That's I mean, most of my other bills are not. And right. the only, you know, and I've sta- I've saved a lot of money on stamps and I saved a lot of money in that regard, you know, mm-hmm. because right. because, you know, like my, you know, the, the, the stuff, you know, the, the uh, you know, the, 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 the gas, the lights, the cable, all that stuff is automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always pay my rent with a check, and I don't know if that's ever going to change. But I was called like an old man for doing that. I was mocked. Well, tell your so-called friend to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> so-called friend. Okay. Well, let's get into check washing. What okay. for people who might not be familiar with it? It's making a comeback for some reason. Yeah. Uh, explain this whole thing and explain the story that you did it on. Sure. There's no scam like an old scam. I first reported on check washing probably 35 years ago when it first uh, reared its ugly head. And it's exactly what it, it says it is. You take a check and you put it in a chemical solution, usually the kind of stuff that's in nail polish remover, like benzene and acetone. It washes the ink off the check that you and I have written with our ballpoint pens, but it leaves the ink that's printed on there from the bank, the checking company that, that's on there. And then you have a blank piece of paper. And you can write that check out to anything you want. Uh, sometimes the criminals decide to leave the signature. So it's really your signature on there. And they can just wash part of the check and change the payee and wow. the amount, making wow. the payee to themselves and the amount to whatever they want to do. But this is starting to make a comeback now. And the reason why is uh, because of remote banking. So in the old days, uh, it, there's an audio uh, with this story. There's an audio report. Uh, if you go to checkbook.org, there's also a link to a, a, a YouTube video that actually shows you a check being washed in real time from Good oh, Morning wow. America. 
It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I looked at that. Yeah. yeah. You put it in the, the, the ink floats to the top. But anyway, I talked to a, a former uh, identity thief, spent six years behind bars. And he said, in the old days, what I'd have to do is when I was washed a check and wanted to deposit, I have to go find like a homeless guy and say, hey, I'll give you some money. Go in and deposit this check for me so that I don't get caught doing a bad check. He said, now I don't have to bother with that. He says, I, I wouldn't have to bother with that. The criminals don't have to bother with that. They simply use a phone and deposit with you take a picture of the of the check. Right. Or you or you do it in an ATM. Make sure you disguise yourself so the camera on the ATM doesn't get a picture of you. And you, there's no chance to get basically no chance of getting caught. You it, it's you know, it's like a it's like a free ride. And the amount you can take, you know, if somebody has a fair amount of money in their checking account, you know, I in this story talked to a, a guy in Philadelphia. A lovely guy, uh, Lawrence Brandon. He's 80 years old, retired, living off you know the money he has and saved in his pension and that kind of thing. And he mailed a $57 check to his health insurance company. And when uh, he gets a statement from his bank, it had been cashed for $4,950. Jeez. And they, you know, he had enough money in his account that they could suck that out, and they were able to get it. And the problem is, and that we found out when we looked into this thing, that yes, the banks will investigate if you report it as a fraud and in most cases they will return the money to you but they can it can take a long time uh this guy poor poor brandon his money he was out of his money nearly four months mm-hmm. while the uh, bank investigated to make sure he wasn't really a criminal trying to rip him off he you know he said that's a large sum of money for me i work hard for the little bit of money i save for the rainy day and he was out that money so you've got to proactively try to prevent yourself from having your checks washed if you do wash checks, which was my whole point of doing this story, was to give folks some tips. So should we jump into the tips? Yeah, please. Let's hear the tips. But, and, but, uh, how does this happen now, though? Like, how did, do, do, oh. do we know how that check got into the hands of somebody else? Sure. There's two ways that mo- in most cases that uh, mail thieves uh, get these checks to wash. Either, number one, they go through neighborhoods and just open up the mailboxes and, you know, take the, the the mail out and then open it up and, and look for checks and credit cards or anything else they want. Uh, I, because uh, I did a story about this many years ago and my neighbors who, who live near me put uh, locking mailboxes on, we've had a couple of mail thieves come through our neighborhood in the last couple of years and they didn't get into our mailboxes, but they opened the ones that everybody who didn't, you know, just has a big basic mailbox. Right. They don't have a lock on it. Right. And we found a whole pile of open mail at the bottom of the, you know, at the end of the street where they had gone through and opened everything up. But now they're getting even more clever and they're actually stealing what are called the arrow keys or buying on the dark web or on uh, some of these uh, uh, apps like Telegram. They're buying arrow keys. These are the master keys that open those big, gigantic blue postal service boxes you put the mail in, as wow. well as the green boxes that you see on the street that the postal carriers use where they drop off the mail and pick up the mail for their routes. So you don't even have to go So they're, re- they're actually getting those keys made? They, they well, didn't they, get they, they, they're, they're stealing several them? Things. Some, you know, there's some inside jobs where some people are selling them to the Postal Service. There are cases where we had two cases in Seattle where I live where in recent months where two mail uh, trucks were hijacked and no, no mail was stolen, which is really weird. Well, and then I realized they wanted to get the keys because the, there's the keys in the truck to get all the. So you yeah. can go into those things that can take a bag of mail. Boom, boom, you're gone, as opposed to trying to right. go through a neighborhood and possibly somebody spots you and calls the cops or whatever. Or you can go on the dark web or to the Telegram app. And again, with this story, uh, my friend Brett Johnson, the the, uh, the uh, former identity theft turned good guy now, he gave me pictures that he took the other day from Telegram, the, we- the, uh, the uh, app. 
and here are master keys for sale for the they're called arrow keys right here it says usps on them it's between like 1500 13 and 1500 dollars. you buy a key you have it in a couple of days and you can open all the, the boxes in your area i mean it's really scary yeah. so so believe it or not where the advice used to be don't mail from your don't put outgoing mail in your mailbox at home with a red flag up because that's basically a you know thing there's identity thieves come and steal the mail i may have something important in here yeah, yeah. now if you're going to go to the postal service which is still recommended you either have to make sure that you don't put it in after the last pickup so it sits there all night long where overnight somebody could use their master key and get it or if it's something you know or if you want to be really safe you take it into the the post office and give it to the clerk or put it in the box that's in the post office. I mean, what a world we live in, but that's literally one of the tips, one of the couple of tips that we have with this story. It's just you know, totally bizarre. Another thing that you point out in there, you give some examples on how this has happened locally here in Chicago. You point out a story that a woman uh, told WLS TV here mm-hmm. that she had a check for 900 or for $9 and 12 cents was washed and changed to $9,900. And that yeah. was here. That was here locally in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and I linked to that story in my report. I mean, this is happening all over the country. In Boston, it was a $50 check debited for almost 16000 In New York, it was a $42 check. Crooks cashed it for seven grand. You know, write a little check to the nephew and send it in a birthday card or whatever. You know, and like that's that's risky now unless you you take the tips. Number one tip, and I found out, and I didn't I didn't know this. I learn something every time I do a story. Is if you're going to do a check, use blue or black non-erasable gel ink these pens they sell them they're they're labeled you can find they're called gel ink pens the gel in the ink soaks into the paper and it's much more difficult to remove the ballpoint pen ink so that could stop a thief if they get a hold of your check they're not going to be able to do what they want to do we talked about taking it to the post office not using the boxes if you can outside unless you know it's there's a pickup near then soon or go inside and don't let delivered mail sit in your mailbox because they still do in some places the lower level thieves uh, go through the neighborhoods and steal the mail and for those who don't know about it nick your listeners are you familiar with, with what's called informed delivery from the postal service i am not Okay, I did that several a story about that several years ago when it first came out. The in order to sort the mail and do everything, the post office actually gets a picture of every single front of every single envelope that goes through as it's being gone through those machines we also see in the news. You know, they go by. Yeah, so they yeah. said, let's help people do something with this. So those images are captured, and they send you if you sign up for informed delivery. Oh, that's what. It's, now, see, I know what the process is. I didn't know yeah. the name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then okay. you get an ma- email every day and says, here's what's coming to your mailbox. And if for some reason you're supposed to get a check from the IRS with your refund or whatever, uh, and it doesn't show up, then you know instantaneously that there, there's a problem and you need to do something about it. So that's something you might want to sign. And also for people who travel and, and, and want to know, uh, you know, what's coming if somebody else is picking up their mail or if they're not holding it at the post office. That's another tip, by the way. If you're leaving, make sure you hold it at the post office because you don't want it sitting in your mailbox. Right. And the final thing is, um, you know, there's a lot of this is really a, a critical time because there's a lot of check coming through the mail. People are paying their taxes. People are getting refunds, et cetera, et cetera. If you're still one of the folks that write a check to the IRS, two thoughts. Number one, do do uh, do it electronically. It's the most secure way to do it. Yep. It's encrypted end to end. So, like, find somebody who can help you do it or and also get your money back electronically. So there's not a check that somebody can steal and try to do something with. It's quicker. It's safer. 
uh, it's time to really do that. If you, uh, if you, if you, the, the mail is not the way to be doing your taxes either way, sending a check or getting the check back, do it electronically. It actually is much, much, much safer. Yes. We hear about hacking and breaches, but this is a lot safer way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I do it. I've been doing it electronically for years. Uh, yeah. Or I should say my guy. <laughs> yeah, your guy. Right. Guy. <laughs> right. Um, okay, but that's all That's all really good stuff. Informed delivery, that's the name of it. Informed yeah. delivery, yeah. Okay. Well, it's crazy that, that, that oh, those, as you said, at the top of this uh, this topic here, uh, old, uh, old scams never get old anymore. They can come back. Even in a day and age where I get mocked for writing a check, people are still washing checks. If it's a good scam, if the if the whole overall scam is good for the con artist, that's a good scam for them, not for us, obviously. If it's right. working and making them money, they'll continue using it or modify it. I mean, I think I've told you this before. You know, we've all heard about the Nigerian scam letter that started you sure. know, years and years ago. I have in my collection my scam hall of fame. We call it Herb's Hall of Shame. <laughs> I have the original... I have those original letters from Nigeria with stamps, beautiful stamps and the whole routine and typed out letters. And then it then it morphed to faxes and then it morphed to email. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's and it's still going around because it works. Yeah. You know, people want to believe that some prince or shake or something somewhere died. And for some bizarre reason, they've got a billion dollars that they want to sneak out of the country and get to them. Uh, you know, well, what's the harm of trying? Well, the harm of trying is that you're going to they're going to wind up stealing your identity, your money or both. That's the, the harm of trying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and again, this is all available again at uh, checkbook.org and it's all linked up at consumerman.com. Yes. Uh, and if you also want to see that video, uh, you should definitely check that out because it's pretty weird and fascinating. Actually, <laughs> It's so fast. It's amazing. How it's amazing. It it's amazing yeah. what these guys can do. It's amazing. Hey, yeah. let me ask you this. Did you ask about like, cause I, I, uh, whenever I write my rent check and I, whenever I write anything, actually, I have, for some reason, I like to use the felt tip, uh, paper mates. Right. And, uh, uh, that, I don't uh, believe that's gel. So I went out and got myself because I do have to write a couple of checks for certain things. And I now uh, I now do use a gel pen. I just found okay. one. You, you can get any supermarket store. You can yep. order them I'll switch line. it. I'll switch it. But I just for some reason, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm very sort of like I have felt tip pens that I take all my notes <laughs> with. And, and, and like all this when, when I do when I do uh, the you know, the the lineup for my for every episode where I do like mm-hmm. a diagram of what I'm going to be doing. It's always with a felt tip pen. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll change that for my checks. I will yeah. just because you said so. So that's yes. it. They don't, they, yeah. The gels don't have that great aroma that a felt tip pen has. Yeah, I know. It. That's probably why I like it so much. So. <laughs> yeah. You're All probably right. a yellow highlighter guy too. I know. Come on. <laughs> I know I do. I have yellow highlighter. I got a yellow highlighter right, my, right next to me right now. Oh, I have one. Of, so I'm such an old goof. All right. Anyway. Uh, you know, we talked about the airlines in the past, obviously, and you yes. do a lot of traveling. And uh, and if you have a family and you do traveling, this next story is pretty important and pretty interesting and, and of of interest. Uh, yes, air, especially, air, especially as we head into summer vacation season, which is right around the corner. Exactly. So the, there are some airlines that are actually going to be f- for real offering kid friendly seat assignments. And, and yes. yeah, so this is like an actu- actually a thing that's going to happen. This is not. Yes, this is yeah. a positive yeah. update. It's actually happened f- with some airlines. As you may recall, and we talked about this, President Biden, his State of the Union address, talked about junk fees and how he wanted to get rid of them. And one yeah. of the ones he pointed out was airlines that can, you know, charge junk fees or require parents to spend more to fly with their kids. And he says, we got to get rid of this. Well, that's that's the deal. <clears throat> you know, parents do not want to fly 
with kids in different seats in different parts of the plane. I mean, number one, it's a security hazard for the who who's sitting next to them. Number two, if they're young, it could scare them. Number three, if there's an emergency on the plane, I mean, do you want to be in row 12 and the exit's in front of you and they're row 22 and the exit's behind them? I mean, the instinct is a parent would go against the flow of traffic evacuating a plane and could cause a real nightmare. So there's a whole bunch of reasons for wanting to do this. So the DOT announced that it was going to come out with a family seating dashboard, which was launched on March the 6th to show the top 10 airlines and what they're doing as far as helping people out. And three airlines decided to change their four airlines actually changed their guidelines before the DOT uh, launched this thing. It's amazing how a little sunlight makes the uh, things uh, clean up a little bit. So of the top 10 U.S. airlines, three Alaska, American, and Frontier meet these new DOT guidelines, and they get a green check. So the guidelines are the airline must guarantee adjacent seats at no additional cost for all types of fares for children under 13 years old if they're flying with an accompanying adult. The guarantee is part of the airline's customer service plan, which means that it's subject to regulation by the DOT if they fail to do it. Not just a customer service policy, well, we'd really like to, it's like they, they've they committed to doing this, and if they don't do it and people complain, the DOT can go after them. So that's American, Alaska, and Frontier. They guarantee adjacent seats at no additional cost for all fare categories for kids under 13 and under, or 13 and under, I should say, flying with an accompanying adult. Now, there's something different with United. United Airlines, as you may know, they're based in Chicago, was the first airline carrier to announce a new seating policy back in February, but it doesn't have a green check mark on the DOT dashboard. And the reason why is, is because their policy doesn't meet all the government's requirements. So it's a positive step. They're moving in the right direction. They've launched some tools that make it easy for families with children under 12 to sit together. They even have an app that makes it real easy and shows you and recommends seats, but they don't meet the age requirement, 13 and under, not under 12. And it's not part of its customer service guidelines. So it's not under DOT regulation. So they don't get a green check mark uh, by the DOT, but they are making it a lot easier. Finally, there are two other airlines we mentioned in the story, and uh, that is um, uh, Southwest Airlines. As you know, Southwest doesn't offer seat assignments. They don't charge for seat assignments, right. uh, but they do have a family boarding policy. So even though they get a red check mark from the DOT, I know a lot of people love to fly uh, Southwest Airlines, as long as it's not in the middle of a nor'easter. Um, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, what happens is they have this four family boarding period, which happens right after the A group. So up to two adults traveling with the child six years or younger can board during the family boarding. Again, it's not close to what the DOT is asking them to do, but it does make it a little bit easier for families. And then there's this low cost startup called Breeze Airways. And they're not even listed on the thing, but there are some people who are traveling some places with uh, saving some money. Children 12 or younger can choose adjacent seats for free in the designated family section. So this is something that's coming as more and more stories are done, as more and more happens. I think you'll start to see a number of airlines decide that this is the smart marketing thing to do. Uh, parents really do want to sit with their kids and not have do, yeah. an extra money when they sit on an airplane. Uh, interesting question. Um, I have here, I think, um, the, ch the the check mark things that you were talking about—the green check mark, yeah. the red check mark. For uh -huh. people who don't, you know, who don't travel regularly, um, mm -hmm. how are you? How how are people to be aware of that? And what are the check marks for? Um, and, and, you know, it, when you're booking a flight and say you want to book with your family and things like that, uh, uh, are there are there places where it's like, man, they've got too many red check marks. I shouldn't fly with them. 
Um, the check marks themselves, for people who don't fly a lot, what, what should they be aware of as, in, in that regard, in, in, in well, f- figuring out where they want to fly? Well, in this thing, it's either you get one or the other. You get a green check mark or a, a red X. And it's, the, uh, okay. and it's the dashboard that the DOT has, the free family, the fee-free family seating dashboard. We have a link with my story. But if you want to t- talk about it, you can look under DOT dashboards. And they have two DOT dashboards now currently. The one that we talked about a couple of months ago shows you what the airlines yeah. will do if the flight is canceled or if the flight right. is delayed. And that right. goes down a whole category of things. We will help you with meals. We won't help you with meals. We'll help you with hotel, whatever. That's a whole list of check marks and X's. So because an airline might have a check mark on one and an X on another provision. And this is just one one graph that it either has a green check mark or a red X. And that's, again, if you go to DOT, uh, DOT dashboards, DOT family dashboards, something like that, that will take you to these dashboards. And you can see very quickly, if you're choosing airlines, what they've agreed to do for you, what they're willing to do. So. Hmm. Okay. One, All right. One last thought. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, oh. you said one last thing. Go ahead. One last thought. thought um, I talked to a number of consumer groups uh, about this, and while they applaud the airlines who are moving in the right direction uh, and they think the, uh, the dashboard is very helpful, they really want to see this required. I mean, they've had enough with you know, waiting for regulations, letting the airlines hopefully do the right thing, and they're basically calling for Congress to pass a law that the airlines have to do this, no questions asked. There has been legislation introduced that would do this uh, by Ed Markey of Massachusetts, uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, and Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, and Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. It's called the Family the Families Fly Together Act, and it would prohibit airlines from imposing any fees for families that want to sit together during a flight. The DOT is working on uh, getting some legislation. They propose a, a rule, I should say. They're working on a rule. But the problem is, unless there's something really clear by Congress that absolutely spells it out with no loopholes, uh, things can change. There was a bill passed in 20 uh, law passed in 2016 that said that the uh, dot had to come up with a regulation to do this but there was a little weasel word like if necessary or something in there mm-hmm. and of course under the trump administration with uh, uh, chow uh, she decided that it wasn't necessary so she never came up with a rule so the consumer advocates are saying like we have to make it like no weasel words no wiggle room this has got to be the way it is again because the fbi says that kids are in danger sitting alone on planes there's a lot of I hate to say it, but there's perverts who fly planes, and if they get stuck next to a uh, a kid, there there are sexual harassment kind of things that can happen. It's a safety thing. That's for the benefit of the kid, not being afraid. It just, it just has to be done. It's the right thing to do. Airlines should not be profiting on families wanting to fly together. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, and um, you know, by the way, uh, you know, the last time that we you were on, we were right smack dab at the beginning of your favorite week of the year, and that oh, was National, National Week. National <laughs> Consumer Protection Week, which is your yep. favorite week of the year. Did you party yep. a lot, Herb? You still have a hangover? What's going on? You all right? <laughs> uh, we uh, we had got our little noisemakers, had a little <laughs> dessert one night, a little ice cream with uh, chocolate syrup on it. You know, we were crazy. Yeah. I gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, even though that, that the National Consumer Protection Week was March 5th through the 11th, and that's passed, that's a few weeks yep. old, but you always want to be a good consumer. You want to be a better consumer, and you have uh, some great tips, some expert tips Seven of them, to be precise, if I'm not mistaken, Herb. Yes. On how to be a better consumer. And we can always, it doesn't have to only take place during National Consumer Week. It can happen. Right. It can happen yeah. anytime. You got to be a good consumer every week of the year. There's That's no right. That. Yeah. That's right. 
So give us some tips on how to be a better consumer. Sure. I think our number one tip, uh, and it's listed as number one, is pay with a credit card whenever possible. It, we've talked about this before. It's one of the best ways to protect yourself against fraud and bad service. It can be a real super, our boss, Kevin Brasso, the executive editor of Checkbook, calls it a consumer protection super weapon. And that's because it has built-in fraud protection from the Fair Credit Billing Act. It's federal fraud protection, which basically says if the merchandise isn't what you were promised, or it doesn't arrive, or if a contractor or auto mechanic does shoddy work, you can protest the charge with your credit card company, and it's going to investigate, and it'll determine if it, the complaint is justified. And if it decides in your favor, you're going to get the money back, which is called a chargeback. And while they're investigating, Nick, unlike the things with a debit card or a check, as we talked about, these people had to wait months and months for them to get their money back. Yeah. <clears throat> with a credit card, that charge is, is set aside. You don't have to pay it if you if you challenge it while it's being asked for a chargeback while you're challenging it. And it's not accruing interest. And it just is tucked aside. And if you win, it's taken off. And if they, for some reason, say, no, it's a justified charge, then you have to pay it at that point in time. So that's, that's unlike a debit card, where if for some reason there's a fraud and you report it to the bank, and I've done horror stories about this the bank has at least 10 days by law to investigate and they can drag it out a lot longer and you could be out of a lot of money in your in your checking account which is what the debit cards linked to and not be able to pay your rent or your mortgage or something like that it could drag on for a long time that's not going to happen with a credit card payment so and i'll give you a personal story by the way of, of how these charge oh excuse me one more thing we have found out that in most cases, the credit card companies rule in the consumer's favor. So that's that's good. Mm. It's a good chance you're going to get what you're asking for. It's getting a little more complicated now because a lot of people have tried to take advantage of the chargeback and commit fraud. So they're being just a bit more careful. But in general, if you can show that there was a problem, the, the merchandise never showed up, it was defective when it arrived, you got tricked into ordering something you didn't didn't want, you get that protection with a credit card. You don't get that protection as easily with a debit card. So I had a situation where I went to a restaurant, Maggiano's, and uh, the server overcharged me by $11. She said, I'm sorry about that. I already rang up the card. I'm going to give you a credit for $11. Gave us a slip and uh, waited uh, until the, the, you know, looked on my online and nothing showed up. So we called the restaurant back again. And the manager said, oh, I'm very sorry. We'll take care of that for you. Uh, my apologies. Well, I knew that Maggiano's was going to close the local branch here in the, in the Bellevue area, right, Bellevue, right. Washington. So uh, wait, it, nothing happened. Of course, Maggiano's is gone. So I tried to go on the website. There was no way to send them. No matter how hard I tried, I could not send them an email, even if it said contact us. That's a big frustration a lot of our people who contact us have. It's like if you have a website and have a contact page, you should at least be able to contact them. And then I called the phone number, headquarters, never answered, went ring around the rosy, couldn't leave a message. So I called the credit card company. I called the, the, the credit card company. I said, um, I'm challenging this charge. And they said, okay, we'll put in a thing. And three days later, Nick, I got my 11 bucks and it was done and over with and no muss, no fuss. It wasn't a big deal. It was the point of the thing that I didn't have to pay it. I didn't know it. I wanted my money back. And yeah. the credit card company took advantage of me. So. Okay. I took it. Took care of me, I should say. Credit took, yeah. <laughs> they took yeah, care of me. They Pardon took me. care of you. There you go. And, yeah. and a final point, and we've talked about this before, but and I know you've had some problems in the past, but credit cards are not evil. I truly want people to understand that if you can pay your bills on time, if you're responsible with it, if you know your your personality type, if you pay the bill on full each month, you get the benefits of that fraud protection plus. Uh, you don't have to pay any interest if you pay on time. Plus, you get a whole bunch of extra 
benefits with a card. For instance, with my American Express card, American Express offers insurance when you rent a car. Very few people know about this. It's $25 when you rent the car. It is not like most credit card rental insurance where it's secondary coverage. You have to put in a claim with your insurance company first or whatever. They don't pay. The credit card company pays. This is first-party credit insurance, rental car insurance for $25 a rental. If you use the card to pay for the rental, is up to 30-day rental. I had a car in Hawaii. Somebody sideswiped me in the parking lot overnight show up and the guy says, what's this all about? I haven't, I hadn't even seen it. it was on the other side of the car. I said, don't worry. I got American express insurance. And, uh, sure enough, it was an $800 bill and they paid it all and nothing, no, no must, no fuss, nothing to worry about with my capital one card. I get two points for every dollar I spend. I put every single thing in my life on the credit card because my wife and I have a rule. We don't buy things on a credit card. We can't pay off. We pay it off every single month. And Nick, I literally get two free round trip tickets to Hawaii every single year because of using that rewards card. Some people want cash back. They get hundreds of dollars back for using their credit card. So if you can be responsible with it, if you can pay the bill and don't use it to buy things you can't afford, Using a credit card, there's nothing wrong with it. You just have to know if you're the person that can use it responsibly. All right. Well done. All right. Next tips. And I should point out, by the way, that the latest reports are showing that more people are falling behind on their credit cards because they are using them to make uh, to, to live in America with inflation. That's a very scary situation to me. So that's a very bad situation because, as you know, you keep getting in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yep. I can, so, I can, I can attest to that. That happened to me. Tip number two, be extremely careful if you use the peer-to-peer payment apps. Again, Zelle, Venmo, Cash App, really convenient. Millions of people are using them, but they don't have any of the built-in fraud protections that a credit card has, probably even less than what a debit card has. And even though Zelle comes from the bank, the bank is not going to look out for you in most cases if you have a problem. They're meant to be peer-to-peer. You pay somebody you know, a friend, you're sitting at dinner, you want to share the meal. They are absolutely not designed, and the websites say this, the apps say this, they're not designed to shop online or send money to someone you know because they don't have the fraud protection. You could send the money, not get the product or service. You are out that money, and mm. good luck trying to get it back. So remember that with those peer-to-peer apps. Okay. Go ahead. Do announcer, man. Tip number three. All right, tip number three. Go ahead. Comparison shop, it's really going to save you a bundle. I know it seems like a little bit of work, but, you know, with apps today and online, you can comparison shop. You really, you know, you might hit a situation where some store just decided to have it on sale because it's got over inventory and, you know, you can get something cheaper. But it's incredibly important if you're hiring the kind of people that we rate, a plumber, electrician, a carpenter, or any other service, the prices are huge. The differences they charge for materials and for labor are all over the place. And we have found in 40 years of rating services that price is not linked to quality. You can get a really reasonably priced company that does quality work, and you get a really expensive company that does lousy work. So you got to shop around and make sure you're getting a good price with a good company, a good reputable company. If you live in the areas where we rate companies, that's what we're there for. But uh, you really can save a whole lot of money if you price shop. Okay. Tip number four. Thank you, Mr. Announcer, man. Uh, review your business relationships. We talked about this before about the uh, subscriptions early in the show, but yeah. all those kind of things. You sign up for something and then you typically forget about it. Uh, you know, maybe it was the best rate or the best package or the best price when you signed up for it. That could be for your cell phone, that could be for your cable, anything like that. 
and now all of a sudden it's uh, it's increased over the years and all of a sudden you don't realize what you're paying or think about it and there may be a better deal. So go back and price check. My cable bill just went up. We came out at the end of a uh, two-year promotional thing that I got and uh, I'm going back to the cable company. And I'm going to say, okay, let's figure out how to lower this bill. That's and exactly they, what uh, I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm doing this week. Herb. My cable yep. bill went up and I went, what the hell's going on? Yep. And <laughs> I was able to knock $40 a month off. Now I had to stand there in the store for 20 minutes as a guy had to figure out because they have all these, the cable companies are like the airlines. There's no industry in the world that can make it more complicated. You know, cable companies and, and airlines are like right up there on the hit parade. But he said, I guarantee you I'm going to find something better. He kept searching and searching. And he finally said, do you want HBO Max? I said, no, not really. He says, well, if I give you the HBO Max service, it, they're running a promotion. So the whole bill goes down $40. So I said, so I pay whatever it was, $15 a month, $20 a month for HBO Max but the bill, the bottom line is $40 cheaper than when I, the bill I just brought you in. He says, yeah, fine with yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 really, it's, it's really weird because and, – and the other thing is I'm going directly to Xfinity. I'm going mm-hmm. – I'm not, I'm not doing – you can't do it over the phone. You can't get a person on the phone, and I don't want to do it online. I, I, I'm going to go directly. There's an office that's about a couple of miles away from where I live. Yeah. Yep. I'm going directly in there. I'm going to talk to a person face to face and get it done because doing it over the phone or doing it online is a pain in the neck, and it yep. and 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 you will never ever ever get a live person. So I and I recommend people just go right directly to the office. That's what I'm doing, and to get my bill knocked down, I'm going directly to Xfinity to do it. Yeah, you go to Manny's and then you go to the Xfinity store. <laughs> it's a very long trek between okay. the two, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, in most cases, you don't have a whole lot of leverage. I mean, you can say you can leave, and they may say whatever. whatever. But if you have a competing service, like you may not have a cable comp- competitor in your area, but you may have a something for a, a cell phone. You may have a mobile carrier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Call the other company and see what they'll offer you. And, you know, you, you can switch. Maybe you can say, look, uh, you want me to go to this company, and they're going to give me $40 less yep. a month, or do you want me to stay with you and, and see? And if not, then maybe you go, you can port your number. You're not going to lose anything. You're not going to lose any contacts or phone number. Right. But, you know, that's how you have to use the system now to play one company off the other. So yeah, it's true. All right. Tip number five, slow down. You're moving too fast. Yeah. Bye. Oh, God. Phone. You move too fast. Is that uh, uh, feeling? Is that feeling groovy? Simon and Garfunkel, the fifth song. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. On artists to try to rush you. They want to get you to do something without thinking anybody can be the victim of a con artist because they know how to just push your buttons and get you to do things without thinking. I've had people agree to things just to get them off the phone. You don't agree to something, you get somebody off the phone, you hang up the phone. But the best tip I got on this one was from our, my friend Amy Nofsker at the AARP Fraud Watch Network. And she said, listen to your gut. It's a chemical reaction. Your brain is trying to warn you that something isn't right. So if you have that gut feeling that something's not right, listen to it and talk to someone that you trust about the situation. You can actually call Nick, the AARP Fraud Watch Network. I'll give you the number, but you can look it up or the number is in this story, the seven tips to be a smarter consumer. 877-908-3360. Don't have to be an AARP member to use this service. They've heard all the scams, all the frauds. You'll talk to a human being. They'll tell you what's really going on. No, it's not your niece or nephew who's been kidnapped. It's a con artist in Canada trying to steal your money. 877-908-3360. And I can tell you from 40 years of consumer reporting, almost every single victim I've talked to has told me it just didn't sound right, but I didn't listen to my gut. 
listen to your gut. Your gut gotcha. will not hear you wrong. All right. Tip number six. Which I also I already covered sort of kind of, which is anybody can be taken by a fraudster. If you have this happen to you, don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid if you're an older person to tell the kids or something. Report it to the, the local government consumer protection agency, the Federal Trade Commission. There's a group called fraud.org. They share this information with 200 agencies uh, in, the, in North America to go after bad guys. The Better Business Bureau has a scam tracker network. Report the fraud. Let somebody know about it. It may not help you, but it's how they go after these criminals. And every once in a while, they put them behind bars. That's the best thing you can do is to try to help other people and get your problem solved because sometimes they, they re-up on people. If they know that they've taken your money the first time, they'll call you back as another con artist trying to get you your money back and you get hit burned again. You need to tell somebody what's going on and let them help you. Make sure you let people know. And then tip number seven, and by the way, this is one that we that we I believe we mentioned this on every yes. every episode. Yes. yes. Number, and, seven, and, seven, yes. Seven. number seven. Get free copies of your credit reports at least once a year. Uh, identity fraud is running rampant. Your information is out there now. The only way you can know if somebody is doing something with it is to go and get your credit card, a credit report at least once a year from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. These companies don't share information with one another. They're separate companies, so you have to get all three reports. There's only one place you go, annualcreditreport.com, set up by the federal government. Don't Google free credit reports. You have no idea where you're going to land. Go to annualcreditreport.com. Look at the report. Look for anything that's suspicious. Accounts you didn't open, late payments that weren't late, uh, court actions, you know, like a bankruptcy or something that you didn't do, anything that doesn't work, make it, uh, do it right away, check it out, make sure it's good, and then go to a separate links, which you have to do, Nick, we've talked about, freeze your credit reports at Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. That will prevent criminals from opening new accounts in your name. It's easy to do. Uh, so and the links, they're, they're separate links. They're all with this story. If you go to my website, consumerman.com and look for seven tips to help you be a better consumer or go to checkbook.org and look for seven tips to help you be a better consumer. There are six links there that will take you, uh, f- excuse me, four links there. One, how you can freeze all your reports and, uh, and all uh, how you can get reports and the three, how you can freeze your reports. Take 15 minutes and do it. It's really, really important. Right. And, uh, and everything that we've talked about uh, in this episode is all uh, available at consumerman.com at checkbook.org. And again, for a free trial only for my listeners, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Take advantage yep. of that. Herb, yep. always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great time in New York. Have a couple of, uh, have a couple of pastramis on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah. And what are they, about 25 bucks now for a sandwich at, uh, at Cass's? I I haven't looked, but I th- I think sandwiches are probably up to thirty dollars now. But you know you you get some, you get a, a good pickle, good sized pickle. With it. No, I think they charge you extra for the pickle. Pickles are extra now. Are they really? Yeah, they in the old days they brought it uh, like at uh, when you went to uh, the uh, Carnegie Deli, they brought you a thing of pickles and a little tra- and a little thing. Now you got to pay for your pickles, but they give you. Do like, you really? Because it used to be stuff. it used to be uh you know you get a plate full of pickles. They would just yep. throw a bunch of pickles on a plate. Yeah, wow. now you got to buy it, but it's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one though. All right, well listen, have a great time in New York. We'll talk to you next month again. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Herb Weisbaum. Stay well, Nick. Bye bye. All right, buddy. See ya. All right, that's uh, that's Herb Weisbaum. He is the consumer man. We're going to talk to the car man from Consumer Guide Automotive. It's Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costumes. Tom Appel. That's right. 
Tom Appel, who joins us first Tuesday of each month for the For the People episodes of the Nick D Podcast here at Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And uh, Tom, how often are you referred to as the uh, as a sultan? Does that happen a lot? <laughs> it happened. It happened at your zany show. I walked by and someone yelled, "There, there is the sultan." It There's, happened. Yeah, it happened at the at the zany show. And I appreciate you coming yeah. out. You're such a great. Uh, and you brought a couple of buddies with you the last uh, at the last one in uh, in uh, in uh, in March. I did. I did. Yeah, they, they really appreciated Svengoolie. That was a great yeah. show. Yeah, the best. I think the best one we've done. No offense to anybody else, and no offense to other shows that we've done, but I thought that was the best one. The crowd had a great time, and Rich is yeah. just, uh, you know, he's a national treasure. Yeah. So, uh, but I appreciate you coming out, and uh, and I was, and and I wanted to return the favor because when I was on your fantastic uh, podcast as a guest, you were kind enough to give me a, a, a coffee mug. It's so in I, front of me, and I wanted to return the favor by giving you. <laughs> The limited edition Nick D podcast coffee mugs. I think there were only fifteen of them made. Oh, so uh, yeah, drink nice well, sport. drink these well. Are, these are classy. <laughs> the black well, interior is classy. Yeah, because you know with the black interior. Look at that. You go right for the car reference right there, man. The black <laughs> interior is. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you know, when people think Nick D podcast, they immediately think classy. That's. Uh, <laughs> That's that. Yeah, you can thank my buddy Ed, uh, Ed Shilla, who uh, Ed, Ed Zilla, I should say, Ed Zilla, who um, is the main man at Radio Misfits. He's like, I'm going to get you some coffee mugs you can hand out at your podcast uh, shows. And so uh, he got them made up. He got the black interior. That was all his design. Fantastic stuff. Oh, it's very nice. So, very cool. Well, anyway, thanks for coming out. We got it again. May 16th is our next podcast uh, live show at Zanies and Rosemont. And the very, very funny Jim Flanagan uh, is going to be our special guest. So it's going to be fun. And uh, and I hope to see you out there, Sultan. So maybe you'll be called a Sultan again. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, that's the only reason I go. That's, uh... <laughs> that's it. It's not the comedy. It's not how great Zanies no. is. It's you want to be called a Sultan, and I can understand that. I can I totally have a, understand. I have a desperate need to be recognized. <laughs> well, Tom Appel is the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. First of all, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive, and then. Tell us all about that podcast, that uh, aforementioned podcast that I talked about there. Yeah, Consumer Guide, been around since 1967. I'm, I'm happy to be running that show now. Uh, but you can check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. If you're looking for a car, check out our Best Buy list. If you just want to see some fun car stuff, just go to our blog. That's where the fun stuff is. And the blog is there, and we, we cover a lot of the stuff that you throw into the blog, and we'll have some fun with that, uh-huh. too. Great old car ads and funny features and really cool uh, pictures and all kinds of great stuff. We'll get into that and uh, coverage of everything else. Now, Car Stuff is the podcast. Yep. Um, is your co-host back? Is she back? She, she is back. Actually, we record today, so I'll be seeing her in about an hour. Okay. Uh, and tell everybody who she is and about the podcast. Jill Simonillo. She's been a longtime Chicago journalist. She used to work for the Sun-Times. Now she works for Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and she's a uh, North American Car of the Year juror, which is a feather in her cap. So she co-hosts with me every week. Yeah, and it's a great, it's it's a fabulous uh, uh, podcast. You don't really even have to be into cars. And, uh, no. and I was I was a guest on the podcast, and I haven't driven a car legally, as I always have to say, <laughs> <laughs> in over twenty years legally. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, but and I had a great time. It was fun. We talked about movie cars, and um, and when we weren't talking about movie cars, and I was just there listening to the two of you talk, it was fascinating and entertaining and. You guys have a fantastic chemistry together. Oh, thank and, you. And it's a great show, and, and I think people should listen. And, and again, it drops how often? It's once a week, correct? 
Yep, every Tuesday morning in the wee hours of Tuesday morning. Right. And you know what? Uh, that's when one of my podcasts drop on Tuesday mornings. Isn't that crazy? People have yeah. a lot of choices. Yeah. In fact, this not, one. Not will... choices. They have to listen to both. They have to listen to both. In fact, the, yeah. both of these podcasts that we're talking about will be dropping on a Tuesday morning. So look <laughs> at that. So anyway, so car stuff, you can check that out. That's all connected at uh, Consumer Guide as well. A really, really entertaining and fun podcast. So very, very cool. And I thank you for having me on it, uh, Tom. I appreciate it. Oh, it was that. a pleasure. And a super popular episode, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. All right. Well, yeah, I think take... our second most popular episode yet. Wow, I'll take I'll take credit for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you credit. I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> Thanks, thanks. It was fun. It was great, and uh, and I, I'd love to come back on at some point. It was really cool. And you guys are so damn professional. You do it at a studio and stuff. I'm in my goddamn dining room. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in. I had an inferiority complex, and I was like, "Oh, is this how we're supposed to record podcasts? Oh, like with a producer, like in a studio? Wow, I it is done that. weird." We I haven't done that discipline, that though. I haven't done that in a long time. I haven't been. I mean, well, no, that's not true because you know, pretty much every Friday I'm on WLS with uh, Steve Cochran uh, on the Steve Cochran show, reviewing movies and stuff. So, uh, and speaking of movies, I don't know, uh, Tom, you ever get into downtown Chicago? I don't know how often you do. I used to get there a lot. Not so much recently. Well, they've got a really great program at the at the Gene Siskel Film Center, and they do amazing stuff there. Gene Siskel Film Center which is located on State Street, directly uh, across from the uh, Chicago Theater. Uh-huh. Incredibly convenient to get to. Every single CTA, bus, train, everything goes right there. And I go there all the time. Uh, Rebecca runs, uh, she's the program director over at, uh, she's a programmer, I should say, at, uh, at the Film Center. And they're doing this thing that I, th- that I think a lot of people would be interested in that I'm going to uh, this week to see some great movies in 35 millimeter. Uh, they're doing a thing called A Day in the Life or, or, uh, where ev- all the movies that they're showing for like a full week all take place in 24 hours or they're one day. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they're showing like, get this, man. Uh, like on Wednesday night, I'm going to see 25th Hour, the Spike Lee movie with Ed- Edward Norton, which is my favorite Spike that. Lee movie. I remember that. That's a good movie. Thursday night, I'm going to see Dog Day Afternoon, which all takes wow. place in that one day, which is one of the best movies ever. Wow. Uh, and they're showing like uh, Run, Lola, Run. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then on Sunday, on Easter Sunday at two in the afternoon, cause when I think Easter, I think Dr. Strangelove. So, uh, that <laughs> of course, of course so on, you do. So on Easter, I'm going to the great Gene Siskel film center to see, uh, Dr. Strangelove, but they, you should check it. You should check out the, if you ever get downtown Tom, and it's really easy to get to, obviously you don't even have to drive. That's the thing. I know you love to drive, but you don't have to. I do love to. When I was a younger man with more free time, I used to make my way to Facets Multimedia all oh, yeah. the time. Yeah. And since then, I just I haven't had the time because I want to do this stuff. It's interesting, Tom, because I just was at Facets for the first time in probably five or six years. Oh. Just last week, I went to go see Two Leslie, which was my favorite movie of last year. Yeah. And they had they showed it the weekend before they showed it the full week before the the Oscars because. Um, uh, Andrea Riceboro was nominated for her performance, and I wanted to see it again on the big screen. And I hadn't been to, uh, I hadn't been to Facets in a very long time, and it's still fabulous that place. It's still great. So Facets is still there, running strong, right on Fullerton near Ashland, Tom. It's right there. Yeah, I think the last time I went to Facets, I saw a Fritz Lang festival. Oh and, uh, man, there you that go. That was well worth my time. Yeah, I mean there are so many great places to see movies. I mean I go to them. I'm at the Music Box like every day. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, uh, and I go to the film center constantly. I mean, I'm going to be there at the film center for this. Uh, and by the way, you should check out at Cisco Film Center. Uh, check it for people who are listening. Check out this festival they're doing of movies that all take place in, in 24 hours. And there are more. High Noon is another one that they're showing. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, oh. come on, man. I know. Oh, man. I know. I know. I know. And, uh, oh, man. And Grace Kelly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. So that so anyway, that's it. I got sidetracked there, but it's it all takes place in twenty four <laughs> hours and blah blah blah. Speaking of twenty four hours a day, you have to drive a car for twenty four hours a day, and you drive a new one every time we talk. What have you been driving lately? What are you in right now? I am driving right now, and and kind of excited about it. It's the Lexus RX three fifty. And, and this is an important car. The Lexus RX was launched way back when, 1999, and it was sort of the first ever premium crossover. And who knows that that market would explode. So this is, I think, the fourth or fifth generation of the RX. It's all new. It's really good looking, very aggressively styled. And like all Lexuses, it's more aggressively styled than it actually performs. It's a very <laughs> refined, likable car. Not really high performance, but it's got that look. Uh, but I'm digging it. Nice car. Okay, cool. And uh, what were you driving before that? Because it's a, it's, it's a month in between visits for us. So what were I, you driving before? I drove something kind of crazy. It was, the, it was the Ram, the Ram pickup, but it was the 2500, which is their medium-duty three-quarter ton truck. It's not the one that most people buy. In Rebel trim. So they've applied this sort of consumer-level trim level to this heavy-duty work truck. And, and it works. It kind of works. This for a vehicle that should be really unpleasant to drive, it was kind of fun. Yeah. And, uh, wow, I always ask you this. The adjustment between the kind of cars you're driving, um, and I ask you this all the time, but I always am fascinated by the answer, and I know other people are as well, judging by, you know, the feedback we get on this, uh, on the segment about you, you know, like uh, when you test drive these cars. Uh, how long does it take you to adjust? Because you're going from, like, you know, like a luxury car to some sort of, like, uh, you know, to a truck or whatever – and it takes a little while, right? Because they drive completely differently. So in order to get that rhythm down, uh, do you take that into account when you're reviewing? Like, okay, it took me a while to get, to get into the rhythm of this car because of the other car I drove? That is a great question, Nick, because we used to have this conversation at Consumer Guide all the time. And, and one of the things that we learned, because at the time, we used to swap cars twice a week. So we weren't in cars for very long, and little things that were different about each car would annoy us. And we had to remind ourselves that an owner who owns this car for seven or eight years probably isn't going to mind this very much once they get used to it. Right. So so it's a really interesting point that you're making, and it's funny because I got into this Lexus, and the shifter is, is one of these new sort of digital nod things. It doesn't go through a gate. You tap the shifter to go forward or reverse or into neutral. And, oh. and, and it was not intuitive to me, and I had to look at it. And somehow the fact that I had to look down and figure it out really bothered me. But yeah. I've decided since then, in the week that I've had this vehicle, that it's actually pretty good, and I'm not going to be mad about it. No, oh, that's interesting. I mean, that, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad I brought that up because it does, yeah. you know, you know it does, it, it's something that you, have to, you know, that you have to go into and adjust what you're thinking. I don't know, this is a, this is a weird analogy, but in my, in my business as a, as a film critic, um, uh, like for instance, I will tell you this, I just had a personal, uh, experience seeing a movie about, um, alcoholism. Uh-huh. Um, I saw your and, post. And, yeah. and, and every time I see a movie about addiction or alcoholism, uh, I always have to look at it and go, okay, I can't judge this movie based upon my story. You know what I mean? I have to look at it like this is how, like the people in this movie got sober this way, not the way I did. 
So right. I can't I can't bring my own personal baggage to it. And that's the case of like a lot of a lot of movies and a lot of things that you do in life. And so yeah, driving that other car for a while affects the way you're going to drive this new car for a little bit. And you got to you got to erase that, correct? You do, absolutely. And and I think that's that's that sort of step back perspective that's really important. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh and and now how how when do you? Here's an, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. When do you find out what you're driving next? Do you show up and they go, "Here it is," or do you like put in a request? I don't. I'm just. I'm curious. Like, do you go? I want to drive this car. I want to drive that car, and then eventually they get to it, or do you just walk up and it's like, "Surprise! Here's a bike." Does it? Does um, that... It's both. It's actually both. <laughs> there it. are manufacturers. This is this is really inside baseball, but people might think it's interesting. Manufacturers work with local distributors, and they have fleets of cars that they share with the people that they want to to evaluate them. Yeah. And and the way this works is, I call one of these distributors, and they set me up with a list of cars. I can request stuff, um, and I may or may not get it. Like there's like there's new stuff right now. Now one of the interesting things is, I just got an email. I didn't request this, but I want to drive it. The new Dodge Hornet. Uh, is showing up on my list very soon, which is good because it's an important right. car. It's a which new we, car. W- which we're scheduled to talk about on this episode. Yeah. We'll get, and, and so, yeah, keep going. Go ahead. Yeah, so that showed up on my schedule. Didn't ask for it. But usually I know six, eight weeks in advance what I'm going to be getting. Oh, okay. So it's not like you show up and go, oh, man, what? What is this? You don't... <laughs> No. No. And they don't ever, like, surprise you and go, here's a bicycle. They don't do that kind of stuff. No. That hasn't happened yet. No. Okay. All right. I'll keep waiting for that. <laughs> All right. Well, you did mention it. Let's talk about it. Coming soon. And this is a big story. The 2024 Dodge Hornet. And why is this a big story? And tell me about the car. And, you'll, and you are going to be driving it soon, correct? I am, yeah. If people remember that Fiat Chrysler just became Stellantis. But, but Fiat Chrysler was made up of, of in the <laughs> I, U.S. side. Yeah. And again, the name. I, <laughs> yeah. And... and no, I don't think consumers care very much, but, but Stellantis is a huge company that incorporates all sorts of European companies plus American companies, and, and the American companies are the old Chrysler group. So you have Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and, and Dodge has sort of been getting short shrift for the last decade, two decades in, in terms of product. There's really just the Charger and the Challenger, two muscle car, sedan, and a coupe that that the peel is, is kind of fading. And it, in fact, the car is going away. A crossover that no one talks about, that's the Durango. Uh, and that's kind of the Dodge lineup. So all of a sudden, under Stellantis, they're going to be getting a compact crossover, which is the hottest market out there. It's, it's huge. And not only are they getting a, a compact crossover, it's really sporty, and there's going to be a plug-in hybrid version of this. So Dodge, which was really on death's doorstep, is, is now being infused with a potentially high-volume, likable car, and I'm pretty excited about it. Wow. Okay, well, okay, a couple of questions. One, why was this happening to Dodge? Why were they not was – there, was, there, was there an upheaval in the company? Why were they, so, why were they not doing anything? Uh, and then uh, how is this going to change for Dodge, do you think? Yeah, one of the things that happened at Dodge is, is Jeep. And Jeep, which used to just build, you know, 4 by 4s like the CJ7 or old, I mean, we've all watched World War II movies filled with Jeeps. That's what we think of Jeep. But Jeep became a full-line maker, and they had compact crossers, crossovers and subcompact crossovers. And all these resources that should have been going to Dodge were going to Jeep because the Jeep brand was so effective. It was growing. Jeep is a huge brand now, and I don't know how many people know this, but it's like the fourth or fifth most popular brand in the U.S., now so they commanded premium prices uh jeep people could sell jeep cars and so a lot of fca 
you know, if he had Chrysler resources, were going to Jeep, and Dodge was kind of starving. And Dodge became sort of a specialty brand just for sporty cars. And and uh, I, I think people kind of forgot about it. And I don't think people even went to Dodge to look for something. Yeah. What were their most po- what do you besides? I mean, the Dodge Jeep, obviously. But what would, besides that, what were their most popular cars outside of that? Dodge. Yeah. Yeah, Did Dodge used to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. Yeah, for years and years and years, Dodge was very much a, a commodity car maker, very mainstream. And they used to sell, people remember the K cars, the Dodge Aries, things like yeah. that. And of course, yeah. the Dodge Caravan, the minivan, and that was stripped from Dodge and became a Chrysler product only a few years ago. Uh, but the mini, uh, the Dodge Caravan, um, uh, there was a Dodge um, LH car, the, the Intrepid. It used to sell large cars, and I, I don't know what happened there, but just product planners decided to put all their resources into Jeep. Yeah. And that's what happened. And, and Dodge, I'm looking at this article that, that people can check out that previews and talks about the 2024 Dodge Hornet. Dodge dates all the way back in some way to, to the early 50s. Yeah, Dodge goes way back. It actually goes back before that. Um, the Dodge Brothers, which, which Dodge put together a, a series of terrible commercials, <laughs> including these guys, these yeah. weird historic commercials where <laughs> these two guys from the 20s were somehow, somehow – Somehow supposed to be sports car fans. It was very weird and very, very <laughs> counterfactual. But uh, yeah, Dodge was famous for building sturdy, affordable cars way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is. And so you're excited about driving this. And, and uh, what are yeah. the review? What are the reviews for the for the Hornet? Early reviews are good. And one of the things that 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 Stellantis is doing so well, and I love I love when PR works like this, even though it's shady. Uh, it's <laughs> that. There's an Alfa Romeo product coming out now called the uh, the Tonali, and and the is basically the Dodge Hornet, Alfa Romeo yeah. trim. And yeah. the way they're marketing this, they want everyone to know that this car is based on the Alfa Romeo. And while that sounds cool, the Alfa Romeo is just based on some fairly common Fiat architecture. It's not that cool, but. But, really, it's not because I I was always under the impression for my entire life that I've ever heard Alfa Romeo was cool and awesome and badass. Well, it is, and some of the stuff that they sell is fantastic. And historically, they've made some beautiful cars. But this particular car, the Tonali, that comes out this year, um, is really an entry level price leader, and it's just to get some volume through American dealers. And it's it's not historically a, a, a traditional Alfa Romeo product. Mm, okay. And so, but yeah, but Alfa Romeo is tied into this somehow. Uh, to the, it is, and everyone who writes about this, is going yeah, to mention the Alfa Romeo connection, which is a big score for Dodge. Okay, all right, because well, it just sounds sporty. Yeah, it. <laughs> well, sure. If you throw the term Alfa Romeo around, immediately my ears perk up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, Alfa Romeo sounds cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, so you'll be driving that, and uh, I'm sorry, you said when? When are you going to be driving that one? Do you know? Uh, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. So the next time you're on, we'll get a full report. I think so, yes. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll look forward to that. The 2024 Dodge Hornet bringing Dodge back to the masses. Yep, yep. <laughs> so we'll see. There, now, there you go. They, the year should be the marketer. That's exactly what they're doing. How about that? Bringing Dodge back to the masses. I do need a job, by the way. So, Tom, maybe that, uh, that be, <laughs> that's what I got to do. I'll get right into the car business because I know so much about it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move on to another uh, story here. Honda has some issues. Yeah, whoops. Oh. <laughs> uh, do, do you often say Honda and whoops in the same sentence? Is that a popular thing that's been happening lately or no? You do not. No. No. You, okay. You rarely say that. Honda, extremely reputable brand uh, and, and fantastic cars. 
up and I think up and down. If you were just trying to find a lineup of the best cars possible, I think Honda makes them. So have you ever have you ever done that, Tom? Have you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but have you ever done that? Oh. Like t- taken a brand or a company and listed what are the best cars and what company consistently makes the best cars? What brand? Yeah, we've done that, and it's usually like Toyota, Honda, Mazda. Mazda at almost every price point has really very nice cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, Honda has some problems though right now with their warranty. What's going on there? Yeah, you would have thought this would have happened more, but it hasn't. But but people familiar with with new cars, if you've purchased one in the last four, five, six years, you know that many of them are equipped with a start-stop system. And what this does is when you're at a light, when you're idling, the engine will shut off for a little while, and this is just to save gas. And if you're like me, at some point you would have thought, well, is this going to wear down the starter at some point? Yeah. Well, it turns out it does. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Now, had that really popped up into anybody's mind before now? I mean, you know, you would think like stopping and starting and stopping and starting, that really is going to take wear and tear out on the starter, correct? Even, even though we're in modern times and technology is different. It's still got to make an impact of some kind, right? Yeah, you would have thought so, but it hasn't happened yet. And these are special starters that are incorporated directly into the transmission, so they should be smoother and more durable. But finally, this did happen, and Honda is finding that on its, its pilot and passport, uh, mid-size crossovers, and the Ridgeline, which is an excellent uh, pickup truck, uh, that the systems are failing. And they'll stop, and then they don't restart. It's not common. It's not happening a lot, but it is happening. So what Honda is doing is extending the warranty on those vehicles. Mm, okay. And what and will people get? Uh, do, do, they, do they have to contact the dealer and say, hey, my starter's screwed up? Or will they get, like, a notice in the mail saying, hey, we're going to extend the warranty? How is that going to work for people to, to know? Even if, you're, if your starter's not screwed up right now. Right, exactly. No matter what, you're going to get an extension of the warranty, and you're going to get noticed by mail. And this isn't a recall. The government hasn't asked Honda to do this. This is entirely good faith, which is nice. So, uh, and this will probably help you resell the car too. Uh, okay. A, a question about that that uh, uh, that bonus there of like it stopping to save gas and then start. You know, uh, if you forget, sometimes it automatically restart. Right? Like, what what gets it? Because if it stops, if you're at a, at a stoplight. What makes it start again? Pressing the gas? Yeah, this is a great question. Yes, it, it is now. It used to be pressing the gas, which was too long. Yeah. Because right? you'd have to move your foot from the brake to the gas. And then while you're pressing the gas, you'd have to wait for the engine to start. And there's a second and a half or two seconds when the engine can't really do anything because right. it's starting. So right. drivability was terrible. So since the, since the early days of the stop-start systems, it now starts if you move your foot at all off the brake. Oh, okay. So, yeah, lifting your foot off the brake, the engine restarts. Also, the engine will restart every few minutes anyway because you don't want the catalytic converter to get cold for emissions reasons. Before somebody steals it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so, so that's interesting. So you've driven these kind of cars before. Um, the whole, like, uh, I mean, it, it has to make a difference. What's the difference like when you now all you've got to do is, like, move your foot off the brake? It had to be a little bit annoying to just, like, move the foot off the brake and then press the gas to wait. I mean, that, I mean it seems insignificant but that's a big deal right a big difference it is a big difference and early on a lot of people decided that they hated these systems and uh fun fact subarus which use a different engine design they use a flat engine design instead of an inline engine design their system is terrible (laughs) so okay you could you can feel the car quake when it restarts but a lot of people dislike the systems and a lot Mm -hmm. of cars are available with an override so there's a button on the dash that if you press that the stop start system will will oh Oh, okay, that's cool. I mean, not all cars, but most of them have the override thing. So if you if you, if that annoys you, yeah, I you, would say most. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a cool option, I think, because I think I'd go nuts. I don't know why. I think it would kind of drive me. I, I'm, you know, I haven't driven legally in about 20 years, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's something that I think that would take me a little while to get used to. It does, and the systems have gotten so much better. Also, if you're driving a hybrid vehicle because there's the electric motor assist, it's much better. So something like a Honda Prius or any hybrid vehicle, you usually don't notice the stop right. system very much. Right, because it's such a quiet ride, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah, like I mean, I can't imagine. Like I, I listen when 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 my uh, Firebird would drive up to a, you know, to a stoplight, and if it went off, you would know because it would start. <laughs> You know, so, you know, uh, there would be no disguising that. But the way that a lot of these cars now, the hybrid cars and the, the electric cars and stuff like that run so quietly. And there's no is there and there's no herky jerk thing happening. Depends on the car. Oh, okay. uh, depends on the car. So these systems keep getting better and better and better. And it seems like very small four cylinders or relatively large V6 engines are the smoothest. OK. Now, as far as this Honda warranty goes, how, uh, as you said, the, the, the notices are going to go out. And how long are they, ex- once, once again, how long are they extending this warranty? I believe they're taking that out to 10 years, or just 10 years. Yeah, I don't think there's a mileage requirement. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's the latest stuff. Now, what we, what we love to do when we hear the, when, when we talk about, uh, you know, cars, the, the latest stories, is we like to go back and, and, and in your blog, some fun stuff. Uh, l- listen, I was watching Sven Gulli, as I often do. Uh-huh. A couple of weeks ago with my folks. That's what that's my Saturday night. You know, that's I know how to party. I go over to my parents' house, we make dinner and then we watch Sven Gulli. That's how I spend my Saturday nights. Cuz my parents are 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 older and they're awesome and I like to hang out with them and we watch Sven Gulli. And a, a couple of weeks ago, they were showing a movie and my dad goes, "Look, it's an Edsel." Like and started laughing. <laughs> uh, cuz my dad my if when whenever Sven shows a movie from the 50s, my dad can name every car. Like Excellent. seriously, he can name every car. And, uh, and by the way, uh, how great was it to see my dad on stage with Sven Gulli telling jokes? Awesome. That was Wasn't awesome. That, it was my, the highlight of the whole night for me. But anyway, so my dad's always – and then we were watching. I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, it was Blood of Dracula. Okay. Where the, where, the, where, the, where the teenage girl becomes a vampire. It's from the makers of I Was a Teenage Werewolf and I Was a Teenage Frankenstein. Um, and so it was made in the, in the late 50s. And my dad immediately says, oh, it's an Edsel. And it's a beautiful Edsel. My dad was all excited. Now, you have a favorite car ad from right around that time period, Um, the 58 Edsel. Well, first of all, the name Edsel brings with it a lot of baggage. And even people who don't know cars and people who are younger, I'm sure have heard of the infamous Edsel. And it's become a punchline. It was a punchline for a while. What, would you buy an Edsel? Oh, that movie was an Edsel. Or that restaurant's an Edsel. Like, it it was a punchline for a failure, correct? It was, and it's kind of a shame because Edsel was the name of Henry Ford's son, a right. man who did, who did nearly as much for Ford as Henry Ford did, and he deserved a better legacy. Yeah, and why was the Edsel considered, well, what happened? With the, a quick story of the Edsel, and then let's talk about this 58 ad. Yeah, so the Edsel launched for 1958, and it was a very weird thing because Edsel just sort of stormed onto the scene out of nowhere. They had something like 18 different models, 19 different color combinations. They set up a dealer network, and out of nowhere, it was a division of Ford. All of a sudden, there was this full-line manufacturer out there competing with the likes of Chevy and Ford and Dodge and Pontiac, and it was kind of crazy. And, and the thing that happened to Edsel, and a lot of things happened to Edsel that go wrong, was not that the car was bad. 
though it wasn't great by most accounts. The problem with Edsel was that Ford wanted a product that slotted between Ford and Mercury because that's where Pontiac and Dodge played. And mm. Pontiac and Dodge had done so good during the 50s. They, they were surprisingly popular brands, and they commanded a little extra money. So there was some profit there, there was some volume uh, there, and uh, Ford wanted in. Sure. But there's something pretty famously called the Recession of 1958. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And it was it was an absolutely terrible time to launch a brand. Additionally, Ford advertising was confusing as heck. And yeah. and they wanted to explain to people where this car was positioned price wise. And it's sort of an artificial thing, right? Because people kind of learn about products over time, especially brands that have some value in their mind. And and like everyone knows what a Mercedes Benz is now. Yeah. But, but Edsel had no value. So instead of talking about the product, they were talking <laughs> about the positioning. And the ads kind of sucked. They were boring. They were filled with numbers and prices and no one cared. Absolutely no one cared. Yeah, you have some of these here, uh, these the classic Edsel ads uh, that are that are linked up on this uh, on this uh, article here at uh, Consumer Guide. Uh, do you have a favorite? Is there? Uh, uh, I mean, you know, you mentioned how they it's all numbers and things like that. What is it about these ads that 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 you find sort of uh, hilarious and weird? So the headline image is from an ad, and I think it was the first ever Edsel print ad, at least part of the first national campaign, <laughs> and it shows it shows these cars undercover. <laughs> right. And there's a line from this ad that I love, and it's the driver, and I'm sure this is complete BS, but according to the advertising, the driver looked under the, looked under the cover and said, man, would I love to own one of these. And we now know that if that driver was real, he was lying. <laughs> Who came up with that idea? That is hilarious. Yeah, so you don't get to see the car, and it turns out that the styling... The styling was was fairly controversial, and and you what know, was controversial about it? What what? Uh... Uh, it, I, you know what? I should have put a frontal picture on this, but they call it the horse collar grill. But right. the grill was very high, and right at the center was a strange narrow grill opening that looks like a horse collar. It's very weird. It's ovular, yeah. And and, and no one liked the styling. Yeah, even the most well, generous interpretations were bad. Uh, but it, and again, completely identifiable. Like literally, it was on screen. The Edsel was on screen for twelve seconds, and my dad goes Edsel like immediately. <laughs> so it, it it is a distinctive. But man, that's that is unbelievable. So uh, what happened after these ads? Did 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 the, did the Edsel? I mean, like historically, did they sell Edsels and then people were just upset about it? Were they ever popular, or was this recession? Were, were they doomed from the beginning? Well, the recession hurt them because people recoiled from more from more pricey brands. Like Pontiac sure. and Dodge actually took a hit during the recession, yeah. and it was a bad time to launch a competition for them. And 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 at the meantime, Mercury, which was Edsel's stable mate at Ford, actually lowered its prices a little bit for the recession. So Edsel just got squeezed out of the game. It uh, sold they sold okay the first year, and then sales just trailed off. And they went just three model years, 58, 59, and 60. And by 60, they were just rebadged Ford products. There was no difference whatsoever, but it was too late. Yeah. All right. Well, then this movie must have been 59 then. If my dad if my dad caught the uh, cuz I said 57 earlier. This movie must okay, have been yeah. 59. Yeah, it must have been 59. Well, whatever it was, my dad spotted the Edsel right away and he got it right. Um so, all right. Well, the Edsel, uh it's it, so it's it, it, <laughs> if you want to see some classic Edsel ads, uh check it out. Now, the other thing that I wanted to get to is the Plymouth Voyager 3. Now, <laughs> 
And you have to see this. Too. And by the way, all of this stuff is at Consumer Guide uh, Automotive. You get it's consumerguide.com. Yep. Um, and check out the blog. All of the stuff we're talking about, the ads, the actual commercials, the pictures, the stories themselves describing these weird, <laughs> wonderful blog posts about cars and vehicles, they're all there, and you should definitely check it out at consumerguide.com. Uh, the, the, the Plymouth Voyager 3. Now, I have, a, I have a vague memory of this. This was like at, at 1990. You said it says here it debuted at the 90 Chicago Auto Show. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at this thing. You know, uh, Tom, how we often, you and I often speak of the movie Damnation Alley? <laughs> I love that movie. I do too. I and love I, that movie. I do too, and I love the vehicle in it, which is one of the most yep. one of the most weirdly, you know, designed movie vehicles of all time. And I think it was Barris who designed it. I'm not sure. It might um, have been. That might have been a Barris, yeah. But it's a very weird it's like tank thing. The movie takes place in, you know, like post nuclear holocaust uh, you know, uh they're driving around post apocalyptic. And it's like this tank, kind of with three wheels that are connected, right? That are there were like, like four sets of three wheels, and the three wheels were arranged in a in a triangle, and they would <laughs> no, they would just rotate. There was never any explanation for why, but it was cool to watch. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, the first, you know, when I when I when I was reminded of the uh, of the Plymouth Voyager three. With the picture, that's the first thing that popped into my head was Damnation Alley. And I don't know whether that's a good, I don't think it's good for Plymouth, but I think it was good for my brain was that I, oh. But this is a weird looking, a weird looking vehicle. Tell us about the Plymouth Voyager uh, 3 and why it's being mentioned at Consumer Guide right now. Yeah, not only was it weird, it was also really bizarre and not well thought out. It it, it was... (laughs) It was an answer to a bunch of people's environmental concerns and fuel economy concerns. So the vehicle is really two vehicles in one, except one of them doesn't drive alone, which is the part that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So it it looks like a big minivan, but it's got three axles, so it's got six wheels. And the front section can be removed, at which point a separate axle lowers at the back so it can be driven alone. So you have an economy car. Most of the time, but for the weekend when you want to pack the kids in the car, you would back it into the dormant section. The rear wheels of that vehicle would pull up and you'd be using the wheels from the minivan section. It's very bizarre. It would be hugely expensive and it would seem to be easier to just buy a small car in a minivan rather than this bizarre detachable thing. So it's kind of like, you know, like dragging a U-Haul, but it's connected. Right? Yes. I mean, it's kind of like that. Except now, yes. let me ask you this. Can you, when the cars are connected, when the vehicles are actually connected, um, can you walk from, from that? Can you, is it, I mean, do, are they connected to the point where, like, inside you can walk from one to the other? I believe so. They, they never got as far as showing interior images of this. Oh, so there's, okay. <laughs> there's an awful lot of questions about how this vehicle worked inside. <laughs> now, you do have some video here. Oh yeah, from the Chicago Auto Show. Now, tell me a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about that because this is really one of the weirdest vehicles I've ever seen. I mean, it's yeah. just insane. The beauty of the of the staging of this <laughs> is that it would it would actually pull apart and go back together. So they would demonstrate visually how uh, you could turn your small car into a bigger car by just backing into this this weird additional storage area, people storage area. But it. It would be so expensive to produce. Like, you should just buy two cars. It's just insane. It's insane, the Voyager 3. So what happened then? You had prototypes. You had the, the, 
the unveiling. Now, did it play at any other auto shows besides Chicago? Yeah, the way these things work, that I'm sure it went to uh, to Detroit and L.A. and New York. Yeah. But after that, it just quietly went away. And people might know the name Bob Lutz. Bob Lutz. Oh, yeah. A, yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. with Chrysler at the time. He went to General Motors later. But famous marketing guy, was a car lover, who, who just openly admitted, even while his car was still being showed around that it was insanely expensive to build there was no way they were actually going to ever produce this uh, you got to see this car i mean it's unbelievable this weird vehicle of whatever hybrid vehicle of weird thing let's back the it's small so car weird. into the it's just the weirdest thing ever uh damnation alley is the closest thing i can think of so <laughs> uh plymouth or voyager three you need to check it out check out the video look at this vehicle and look at the story it's just hilarious and uh, and very entertaining and you check it out at consumerguide.com uh, uh, with the blog. All right, man, lots of fun. Um, what, what are you working on? Uh, what are you working on next that we're going to cover next month? Because I want to get the Star Spotter as well. But what car wise stuff? What are you looking forward to uh, to writing about? Um, Jill, Jill Simonillo, my my podcast partner, just finished a review of the uh, Hyundai Ionic Six, which is a very sleek looking electric sedan. So that'll be up sometime Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and you're recording your podcast uh, today. today. And it'll, yeah. it'll drop tomorrow. Always very fun and very entertaining. Do you have a guest every, t- every time you have a podcast? Yeah. So the way we organize the, the podcast is we open. Jill and I talk about something that she's driven or I've driven and some news. In the second segment, we always have a guest. And then in the third segment is the quiz. The quiz, right. Yeah. And I did okay on the quiz, if I remember correctly. You did. You yeah. did. All right, fun. All right, make sure you check that out. All right, now, uh, aside from driving really cool cars, writing about them, and knowing everything you could ever possibly know about cars, and by the way, I always open it up. If you want to send an email or call us and leave a voicemail, any car-related question, you need repair, you need advice, you're looking to buy or lease, you're looking for any kind of car or automotive question, this is the guy to ask. You can, uh, I, I sometimes forget to plug this, but because we have such a great time talking, Tom, I yeah. always forget to plug. Uh, voicemail us anytime you want or email us with any car-related question for Tom. 773-417-6948 for voicemail questions or email us nickdpodcast at gmail.com for any car and all car and auto-related questions. Now, Tom, aside from car stuff, you love to watch old TV, particularly old westerns. I do, I do. <laughs> uh, and you probably... and you and you spot you do a thing called Star Spotter, where you post on social media, Facebook. It's hashtag Star Spotter, and the minute you see somebody uh, who was popular on other shows or in movies, you immediately uh, freeze frame it, take a picture of it to the delight of your family, and then you post it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you post it. <laughs> Uh, you know, it was funny because um, your your wife was kind enough to pick me up from the uh, metro stop when I came right. out uh, to to uh, to record your podcast uh, to wonderful downtown Palatine. Um, and your wife was kind to pick me, and I mentioned it on the ride back. Uh, I mentioned the Star Spotter thing, and she just kind of rolled her eyes and went, "Yeah, oh yeah." <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the sole man working yeah. the Star Spotter angle hey, here. Yeah. Hey, by the way, just to, just as an aside, when your wife picked me up from the metro station, I did not know. I hadn't been to Palatine in a very long time. I did not know that the new – well, it's new now. It's new to me. Dirty Nellies is right, yeah. by, right by there. I used to go to the old Dirty Nellies all the time, like to see bands and stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was like – I got off the train. I'm like, oh, my God, Dirty Nellies. And she's like, no, that's not the – the one that you went to. <laughs> no, this one's not actually dirty. Um, no, I remember the Dirty Nellies being just like, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, um, it was nasty. My, it was totally nasty. And it was also, if I remember correctly, you might want to look this up historically 
in the history books of, of, of Palatine, Tom. But I think that that area, the, the seven or eight block area around Dirty Nellies, held the record for most DUI pullovers. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Because people would get loaded, and they'd get in their cars, and the cops would just hang out in front of Dirty Nellies and wait for these idiots to get out, to, to get out of Dirty Nellies' car and two blocks later. I think, it, I think there was a record-setting amount of DUI arrests and, uh, and, and pullovers in front of Dirty Nellies. I, I didn't hear that. I've never heard that before, but it makes sense because I think they had 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. licenses. They had, they had, four, was, they had, yeah, they had, four, they had 4 o'clock. It was, trust me. I okay. know. It was, it was and, a 4 <laughs> And there was a bar across the street called Lamplighters. Absolutely. Yeah. And between the two Wait, of them. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They had the 4 o'clock. Oh, okay. Dirty Nellie's was two. The other place had the four o'clock. Trust That's me. What, I, okay. I, it, yeah, listen, at a certain time in my lifetime, I knew where every four o'clock license in the country was. So, uh, that, that. <laughs> so, but anyway, I was like, sh- I was like, oh, look at Dirty Nellie's. She's like, don't get, you know, that's not the same one. So uh, I was very excited. <laughs> I remember Dirty Nellie's being the place where I saw, you remember the sketch with um, the very first Matt Foley sketch with, with Chris Farley, Van Down by the River. You remember that sketch? Vaguely, yes. Okay, well, it, that, I, the very first time I the f- first time I saw that sketch was at the front bar at Dirty Nelly's while a band was playing in the back. I just remember that vividly. That's how long ago <laughs> it was that I used to go to Dirty Nelly's. I remember getting lost in there somewhere between the band room and the men's room. It seemed like it was six miles, and it wasn't well marked, and you didn't want to touch the walls, which you kind of needed to. If you were hanging out there, you probably needed the walls. It's <laughs> very true. Anyway, we got distracted again, but... <laughs> Star Spotter. Now, I have to say that I, I, I have a list here of, the one, of some of the stars that you spot. I want to get to that. But I do want to start with the first one because I don't know if you know how much I love John Saxon. I'm not no, sure we've ever. I don't know if I knew that. I, I, John Saxon is, lit, and I'm not making this up. It's not a joke. Literally one of my favorite character actors and actors ever. My friends and I in the, in the late 80s were obsessed with John Saxon. Where, like, during the VHS days, we would just go out and rent nothing but Saxon movies and just watch them. I love John Saxon. I love him. And I got to meet him because he came to our flashback weekend horror oh. convention years ago because uh, he's in Black Christmas. And he's in, he's in a lot of horror movies. And I got to meet him. Uh, he's in Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Uh, and I got to meet him, and I, was, I made an idiot of myself. I did his Q&A, and I was just like, I was like a little girl. So whenever I see John Saxon on TV, I get happy. And you saw him on Gunsmoke. How was the episode? Oh, it's a good episode. And John Saxon in Westerns just always plays a really slimy bad guy. And or, he plays it or so well. He, he, always, he also played a lot. You know what else he played a lot in like Westerns and things? He always played Mexican. A lot. He did. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so but John Saxon, uh, Carmen Arico, by the way, is his real name. I don't know if you know that or not. But I did not know that. Car- Carmen Arico. That's his <laughs> I know way too much about John Saxon. It's scary. It's kind of scary. But, yeah, but it was fun, huh? John Saxon on Gunsmoke. Yep, bad guy. Yep. Okay. Burgess Meredith on Rawhide, good or bad? Uh, good episode. Burgess Meredith shirtless in this episode, which was oh, weird. Wow. <laughs> that, I'm sorry. You just threw a monkey wrench into the whole situation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All Burgess right. Meredith has this weird habit of playing guys that are sort of like sticking to their principles, even though they don't seem to be working in their favor, and then ultimately <laughs> comes through in the end. <laughs> right. Like they're not they're not going to be violent, even though they really need to be violent. And uh, I don't know, but he's a great actor. Love Burgess Bur- Meredith. Burgess Meredith on Rawhide. Now the other three that you mentioned are all babes from Babe, the same. Yeah. T- 
Babes yeah. from the same time period, like like '60s babes. So tell us uh, about the three six, late '60s babes that you uh, that you. Have. Yeah, Elizabeth Montgomery on Rawhide, toting a shotgun, which is pretty nice. cool. Nice, nice, badass. Yep. Don Wells on Wagon Train, uh, mm-hmm. that was nice. And then Barbara Eden on Rawhide was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. She was she was taking care of uh, of uh, Mr. Favor. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right, so Elizabeth Montgomery, Don Wells, and Barbara Eaton. Man, those are the that's like a that's a that's a trilogy of of hot babes from the late sixties. Man, yeah, I sort of have a an Elizabeth Montgomery thing too. Oh yeah, yeah man. just lovely, lovely. Yeah, my first crushes. I just posted this because you know how Facebook has your memories come up from years before. Yeah, uh, my I posted I reposted this. My first huge crushes when I was a kid, like a little kid, were and this shows my age. And you and I are the same age, Tom. Yep. Uh, mine were uh, uh, Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. Okay, yeah. Barbara Feldon, Agent 99. Heck yeah, yeah. And Haley Mills. Those were my first three, like, oh my God, I'm a kid and I'm in love crushes. Uh-oh, I don't know Haley Mills. Oh my God, Haley Mills from uh, the original Freaky Friday. Uh, oh. British, a British child actress who made Disney movies in the late 60s and uh, okay. very, very early 70s. Hey, hey, Haley Mills. She I'm was the, have to look that up. Okay, absolutely. I'm sure I know her. Yeah, no, you will. When you once you see her, you will. And she was also uh, on um, Saved by the Bell before it was called Saved by the Bell. She oh. was like the she was like the teacher that it was named after. And I don't know the people are screaming at their phones right now uh, uh, or devices screaming what the name is. But she was <laughs> it, before it became Saved by the Bell. It was this show, and her name was her character's name was in the title, and she was like the principal or the teacher at the okay. school with with Zach and Slater and all the other idiots. Got it. So, yeah, so look her up because she was definitely a babe. Um, and then you do this thing called Mystery Show where you show like a, a press picture from a TV show that no one ever remembered. And I love these, and I never get them right. What, what, you, you found one with Don Adams, right? Don Adams, towards the end of his career, did a show called Check It Out where he was the manager of a grocery store. And, <laughs> and I remember the show sucking terribly it was right. just an awful awful show I, and I, I don't know why a grocery store would need a guy in a three-piece suit running around it <laughs> yelling at people i worked at jewels for i worked at jewel for 11 years i never had a three-piece suit guy yelling like don adams <laughs> you need to bag those groceries i never heard that once while i was uh was speak, speaking of agent 99 look at that segue right there there you go barbara uh, Fulton, yeah and then finally judy karn was in a show called love on a rooftop what the hell is that I don't know what it was, but her and her, I think they were newlyweds, and I don't remember who played her husband. And if you have Judy Carn, who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah, cause, wow. She was, yeah. Yeah, she was big on laughing, as I recall. She was on laughing um, and, and uh, dated uh, Burt Reynolds for, a, for uh, a long period of time. Lucky Burt. Yeah. Um, but this was a short-lived sitcom uh, of newlyweds who lived in a cheap apartment on the top of a building, I think, in New York. And the opening credits involves them walking around the roof there of this building that they live in it's kind of weird i've never seen a scene from the thing but but youtube keeps feeding me weird stuff and one of them is the opening credits for love on a rooftop yeah okay all right well i and you wonder why youtube sends you weird things tom no, i mean not, seriously yeah. <laughs> oh man all right well all right now i now I, I thank you for for the visit tom now i just uh, the only thing i see is a shirtless bird just meredith i really appreciate that tom thanks very much that's something to carry you through the day <laughs> all right buddy we'll talk to you next month i always appreciate it tom appell everybody consumer guide automotive consumerguide.com 
Uh, Tom, it's always great, man. I always have a blast with you, and I'll talk oh, to you next time. Oh, me too. Thanks for okay. having me. All right, buddy. Take care. There's, uh, there's Tom Appel, and uh, he's the best. All right. Uh, we'll talk to him again next month. That's for the people. And you know what else is for the people? Laughter. And that's where my dad comes in to tell a joke. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go! Yeah. My dad stops by every Tuesday to tell a joke. All right. Hi, Dad. How are you, buddy? Let's hear the joke. A man goes to the doctor. Doc, you got to help me. I can't stop shaking. Doctor said, do you drink a lot? He said, not really. He said, I spill most of it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a joke I can identify with. All right. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He'll do it again. (laughs) Sorry. He'll do it again next Tuesday. Oh, man. As he does every Tuesday, my dad tells the jokes. So there you go. Uh, Hey, thank you for uh, listening. My thanks to Ed and everybody at RadioMisfits.com and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Please take the time to rate and review us on every single platform. Check us out. Spread the word. Like us. Love us. Give your feedback. Voicemail us 24-7. Anytime you want to do it, do it. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want a magic megaphone message exclusively for you, Get them in there. They're very popular, so get those in. Also, if you want to be a sponsor, sales at radiomisfits.com. Next time, uh, this Friday, coming up on the show on episode 130, the lovely Marnie Shore will join us. Marnie Shore is from The Takeout, and we talk food and we taste test stuff. It's always a blast to have the great Marnie Shore from the fantastic uh, website, The Takeout, uh, which is a part of The Great Onion. Uh, my thanks to uh, Herb Weisbaum and to Tom Appel for their monthly visits for For the People. And my thanks to you. And we'll see you next time right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network on the Nick D Podcast. See you later. Thanks.